green. Green. What was Eddie's excuse for missing Serafina's graduation? A. He was dead. B. He was in the playoffs. Or C. He thought he had amnesia, but he could not remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Who is Eddie? Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we brave the waves and the sea monsters to garner the goods in Tricky Tides. Next, we build victory one mole at a time in Periodic, a game of elements. And lastly, we're making our way in the world today, or rather, in the 80s most popular sitcom, as we play Cheers. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid game explorers. Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein, and when you cut a D6 in half, it's called Dissection. Hi, I'm Ed Povlaitis, and Evan would not be a D3. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and low-level magic missiles are two die four. <laughs> See what we did there? Yeah. Have you ever had a win so epic you wished the world could see it? Or a defeat so humiliating that the memory is burned into your mind forever? Has your game night been destroyed by your lovable furballs? We want you to tag us on Twitter with your photos of a wondrous victory or agonizing defeat on game night. And as usual, please, if you get a chance, rate us, review us, Facebook post, tweet, Insta, retweet, article shout out, mention us down at the local gaming store, at the Taco Bell, and pass (laughs) it along at the laundromat or at the dog park. Any mention of us really helps others find the show and helps us grow. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Our first game up this week is Tricky Tides. Designed by Stephen Armini, published by Goal Seal Games and Zafty Games in 2019. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 12 and up, playtime 30 to 45 minutes. Okay, when we uncrated this game at the Portside Customs Office, what were our first thoughts? Evan? I see great white sharks, dragons, killer whales, and a kraken. Four nautical nightmares in one game. This should be fun. Ed? Deliver the good to the island with demand, but will the trade wind blow your way? Mike? I see a bunch of cards and the word tricky in the name. Are they being clever or am I giving them too much credit? It's a resource management game and a trick-taking card game. Is it possible that one game can be a favorite for both Ed and me? (laughs) Before we hoist sail on this review and find out, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Tricky Tides... Players take command of a merchant ship and manage their hand of navigation cards and the goods in their ship's cargo hold as they chart a course to earn gold. Each turn, navigation cards are played to determine turn order and the direction players can move their ships that turn. But in a tricky twist, you must follow the suit played by the leader if you can. Travel from island to island collecting goods and delivering them to earn the most gold. But beware the monsters and tricky tides along your route. They might set back your efforts. The player who ends the game with the most gold is the winner and becomes the master navigator of the tricky tides. <laughs> All aboard! <laughs> All aboard! <laughs> ding, ding! Yeah, there'll be gold in them islands. <laughs> <laughs> so, the look of this game. Cards? 
Mm-hmm. More cards to make a board out of in the middle. Mm-hmm. So you I flip like that. The car- yeah. With little cards on top of them. I like when cards make the board. And a bunch of little bits too, right? Yep. Little ships to move around the board. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> cubes. Delicious cubes. Good old Euro cubes. To represent the goods. Uh. <laughs> How do you yeah, guys you- like the look of this game? I love it. They're really, I think, um, a very like old timey nautical look to it. It did, and yet it didn't sacrifice on rich colors. They were able to blend it so that you had a backdrop of beautiful old-timey sapia, and on top of it, these lovely colors. Nautical colors, blues, some nice aquamarine, nice mm-hmm. shades. Yeah, very nice. absolutely. Orange like a sunset. Kind of like mm-hmm. pieces of one of those old treasure maps, except for like a little more vibrant in the colors, but the art itself looks a lot like... You know, that scary squid in the corner or the dragon, like, breathing the wind at you and stuff like that. So there's three ways to play this game. You can play the basic way where you move around uh, the map with just using your deck of cards and your ship. Then you can add in special event cards that Mm -hmm. add a little complexity. And then you can add in sea monsters, (laughs) which adds even more complexity. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the three different ways to play? I think it was a very nice way to step up the complexity of the game is to learn the basic mechanics of playing cards and how they limit your movement options. And then they add in like a, a twist every round. And then the monsters come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a card that's, I kind of looked it up online because I didn't get to play with you guys, but there's a card called Edge of the World that lets you kind of go loop around the map, which I guess is not permitted during the game normally. That would be classified as an event card. So that would be the event mechanic. So again, you can play with or without the events. You can play with or without the sea monsters. And it is a great way to step up. Who's going to play without the sea monsters? Come on. Well, the sea monsters are probably the most complex element in the game. But they're Mm -hmm. not that hard to learn. No. No, nothing about this game is that hard to learn. I found it very straightforward and easy to pick up very quickly. Yeah, the games that Zafti takes on tend to have like a nice user-friendly kind of atmosphere to them. The movement was ingenious in this game. You use the cards that you're going to try and win a trick with, right? So the cards have numbers on them, and the highest number of the first suit played, just like a normal trick-taking game, Mm -hmm. takes the trick. However, also on the card are compasses. Each card has one compass. And depending on how high a number the card has, that's how many directions on the compass, that your ship can move that turn. Mm. So with a three, you can move in three directions. With a five, you move in five. With an eight, you can move in any direction on the board. And the suits are the four monsters that are in the game. And when the leader plays, say, a squid card, everybody else has to play a kraken along with them. So the three, the four suits are sharks, krakens, sea monsters, and whales. <laughs> sea monster sounds generic. Come on. I called it a dragon in the intro. So it it's does. dragons. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's a dragon. dragon sea dragon. dragon. It's, you're right. It's sea dragon. <laughs> so this is like pickup and delivery, right? Like it looks like the cards mm-hmm. have little fulfillment on them and stuff. The, the basic mechanic is, is the collection and delivery of goods, almost like Century, where you can see the right. same little multicolored good Euro cubes and mm-hmm. you have to get the right set of them and deliver that color spread to an island. Very easy to pick up. First, we have ship meeples. And that's cool. 
Very cool. Because yeah. these meeples, meeples. actually, <laughs> I can't, shipples? Is that, is that a nope, thing that's now? that's a thing. Shipples? <laughs> shipples. They, yeah. There's there's a main mast and a mizzen mast <laughs> on my on my ship meeple. They're wood cut, very nice, and they go along with the suit, right? Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. color coded. Um, and plus, each player has their own ship card, and what that is, it is the hull of the ship in which you store your goods. There are seven spots. You can hold seven cubes, no more. If you do wind up picking additional cubes up or goods, I should say, along the way, you must dispose of them. Overboard they go, because you can only hold seven at a time. My bad. <laughs> oh, I saw the eye roll. You pirate. You pirate. Don't you eye roll at me. Your one good eye under your pirate patch. Arr. My favorite thing about the ship cargo card is it has indentations to put the cubes. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. It's a dual-layer cardboard. Right, so the car, the cubes won't slide around; they'll stay in place. Love it's it, Celeste proof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've had some aggravating <laughs> moments <laughs> in the past with that. Do the ships have their own personalities and special abilities and stuff like that? No, although you could definitely do an expansion where that would that would work because it's like the events is a complication that is sort of special abilities for everyone, and then the monsters have special abilities. So adding special abilities to the ship would be easy it would be there's a lot of room for expansion in this entire mm-hmm. game mike to answer your question more more directly the ships are look all about the same the sails though each are your own corresponding color to the color of your meeple mm-hmm. um and with a little desi- with a little unique design for each one but okay. other than that they are the same now do you need to play with the events is that something that has to be part of the game no three different levels of play here that's fantastic. You can play it language independent then because what I'm looking at here looks like Absolutely. there's only numbers and colors beside the, the event cards. That's great. The iconography is just so simple. I mean, really, if I can understand it, folks, you can understand <laughs> yeah. it and pick it up in like 10 seconds. <laughs> and, and the neat thing about the card playing mechanic as well is that the highest card gets to go first, but the player who plays the lowest card in the same suit gets to move the monster ability. Ooh. Yeah, so it's definitely a benefit to move the monsters. What does the monster do when it, like, interacts with you? Yeah, each monster has their own special traits and abilities. Yeah, it's it, they actually are very cool effects, right? I was worried, like, oh, are we going to have to put combat in now? We have sea monsters. But mm-hmm. no, the sea monsters do things like move resource cubes from one location to another. Or transform some goods into other types of goods. They just wreck your plans, not destroy your ship. <laughs> They present little inconveniences that make it a little trickier for you to accomplish your goal and your mission. Or make it a little easier. You can have, say, the crack and move that goal to the island you plan to be moving to. So how do you think the monsters feel instead of being called horrific and terrifying, just being called inconvenient? (laughs) Look, they're tricky tides, not violent tides. (laughs) That's a different game. Brutal tides. (laughs) Bloody tides. Not the death tide. Blood in the ocean. That's a different game. (laughs) This was a Kickstarter, it looks like, too. Yeah, it was a beautifully done Kickstarter. They had great... Uh, imagery of their prototyping and stuff and i think the look of this game went a long way to getting it supported it is lovely my strategy involved finishing contracts with a particular monster on them 
because those provide extra bonus gold for you if you collect those types of cards. So, for bonus example, point. yeah, if my contract <laughs> had if my contract set, for example, had a kraken on it, I would score three extra gold for each kraken and, contract I turned in. And that's custom because everybody gets a different series of monsters on a private victory point card. For Ed, it was sharks. For Celeste, it was uh, sea dragons or huh. what have you. Does this only play up to four? Yeah. Four. Yeah. Four is just right for this. It's a 12-card game. Yeah, four is perfect. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Tricky Tides. Evan? Easy to learn, easy to play. The game keeps hold of its theme, and there's enough strategy to come back for more. Dig it up. Ed? The blend of card play with the classic good delivery makes for a nice strategy game with a twist. Dig her up. Though I would have loved the trick-taking part to be a little bit more involved, the movement was ingenious and the gameplay was a lot of fun. I would definitely play it again. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find it? You can find Tricky Tides at local game stores and online. MSRP, about 30 bucks. If you have thoughts about Tricky Tides, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Periodic, a game of the elements, designed by John Coveu and Paul Salomon, published by Genius Games in 2019, number of players 2 to 5, ages 10 and up, playtime 40 to 60 minutes. Okay, when we first saw this chemistry game, what were our first reactions? Get it. Mike? Hey, that's my bromide, bro. Ed? Moving across the board is quite elementary, my dear. Evan? I like to play this game once in a while. Get it? Periodically? Oh. Uh, Oh, Will this game finally teach me what my high school chemistry teacher couldn't? (laughs) But before we crystallize this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Periodic, a game of the elements, players maneuver across and around the periodic table researching elements to score points. Each turn, players use energy to activate periodic trends and move in the corresponding directions. The conservation of energy forces players to spend carefully and play efficiently. The game ends when someone completes the research track or when a stack of gold cards is depleted. The player with the most points at the end of the game wins and may claim the title a periodic table master of the elements, which is a title I made up. (laughs) Well, uh, as you might suspect, the board of this game is the periodic table of elements. So sciencey, I love it. Yeah, how did you like the look of it? Loved it because, hey, when I was a kid and I first laid my my eyes on the periodic table of elements, what did I think? Yeah, this is a game. (laughs) You know, I'm 10 years old and I'm like, oh, neat, a game board. Yeah. I did not feel that way about the periodic table of elements. It did not look like a game to me. I was thoroughly intimidated by it, and it was this boring black and white. So I was looking forward to a second chance (laughs) at learning the periodic table with this game. (laughs) Do you think if this game was out, you would have done a little better? 
Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Anything that demystified and gamified and also made look more welcoming Mm -hmm. chemistry could have been helpful to me and I think would be helpful to a lot of of students. Yeah, Absolutely. No doubt. Turn it into a game and you'll have people, you'll have kids and everyone else begging for more. I thought it was like some kind of secret code the first time I saw it. Like, what are all these letters and numbers and corners? And I just needed to figure it out. I love the periodic table. I, I know that sounds nerdy. Uh, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew it did, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Beryllium, magnesium, and calcium. Which one are the noble gases there on the outer edges? Ah, the noble gases. Oh, they're the purples at that end. Purple, okay, so helium, the noble helium, gases. Neon, argon, where are the halogens? Krypton, yeah. xenon. Wait, the halogens are radon. over there. Radon, it's dangerous. It comes out of your lawn. It kills everyone. <laughs> it's, your ba- it's in your basement. It's in your basement. Uh, it's in the rocks. Dangerous radon. That says aluminum on it. Yes, that Ooh, is Britishness. Correct. That is correct. Yeah. Aluminium. Aluminium. So, does this game teach you about the periodic table of elements? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. I think it does it in a sneaky way, though. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, I don't think it's not necessarily all that sneaky. I mean, all the movement in this game are related to what they call periodic trends. And all these trends are accurately reflected on this board. I loved the movement methods. And I guess that's where the magic is, connecting how these elements are related to each other based on how you move. Ed, tell us about a little bit about how the movement works in this game. Well, each turn you can activate a periodic trend in order to move, and they move in different directions. For example, if you want to move according to their atomic number, you can move left or right, and that could even wrap around the board. In relation to the periodic table, why does atomic numbers move you left and right, and not up and down? Because the periodic table is arranged in sequential numbering. You'll notice it starts with one with hydrogen, and then goes to two helium on the other side of the board, So what other types of movements were there based on how the periodic table relates to itself? Well, you can move along the ionization energy of different elements, or it's changed in size or it's atomic radii, it's mass as well. Decreased atomic mass allows you to go up and to the right, for example, because things that are up and to the right have less atomic mass. Is that why? Yes, that's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. Yeah, there's less of it. So. And, and the opposite direction, as you're going down and to the right, to the right, you're increasing the atomic mass of the element. Right. And each one of these movements had their own card that said, increase atomic mass, and the direction would be there on the board for you. So you would see in which direction those things were related. That mm. was definitely the piece where I learned the most. Well, those reasons are why I, I kind of said it was a sneaky way to teach you, because... This game could be completely abstract and not even be on the periodic table itself. Mm. And if they're teaching you just, you know, you're moving up and to the left to get this blue cube to go on this blue contract Mm -hmm. to fulfill it. It could just be that. But they have the references to why it matters scientifically right there in the game. So even if you didn't want to learn something scientific, you might be just absorbing it anyway by playing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I thought the game taught really well where the different types of element, the elemental group, where mm-hmm. your objective was to try to end in a specific group of element in order to score bonus points. And I, I needed heavy metal the whole time. And I couldn't get there. For- <laughs> <laughs> and now you know where the heavy metals are from playing this game. Exactly. 
You want to know where all the noble gases are? Well, the purple region right there on that edge of the board is all highlighted for you. Where are all the alkalides? Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah. there they are. It's a great way to teach that concept. And not just the elements, but the compounds, the actual substances that they make when you combine them. Yeah, it says what those compounds appear in, like in nature or what they're created for, right there on the card. So that when you do fulfill that little contract that's sitting on top of the table to get your points, you're now also learning that putting these two things together makes this. Or those elements are used in this type of material. Right. It's awesome. The color coding is great on this. It shows relationships between the elements on the board and how things move. As you play, you discover just how ingenious the color mixing is on this board and on all of the contracts and the movement and the mechanics and how they all relate to each other. We're going to do a, a panel on science games very soon, I think. Mm. And uh, the makers of this game, they have a whole bunch of different games that are excellent teaching tools for, for scientific concepts. We'd love to have them with us. Yeah, this is the, game, the company that also did Cytosis, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another great game. Oh, fantastic game. I did well in physics and biology. This was the killer for me, chemistry. So there was something that really mystified me. And this game certainly helped to demystify the periodic table. How are you in math? Or maths. Maths was okay. Yeah, as the British would say. They will joke that they usually do more than one sum. So they call it maths, <laughs> unlike <laughs> Americans. So, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, fine. You know, eventually when I was taking physics in college, that's what slowed me down was eventually we got to math. That was pretty hard for me. But I, I did fine at the high school level. No problem. There's some overlap in between mathematics and, and chemistry. I think in my case, a lot of it had to do with my teacher. He was a bit of in outer space. He was a no, I, I don't mm -hmm. doubt that. <laughs> so there was a couple of uh, things I wanted to talk about the, um, with the mechanics, too, like the actual raw mechanics of the game. Um, the movement mechanic was cool. And I, I think we touched on it in the introduction. But if you want to like basically go into more movement than you could normally do in your turn, you have to spend some of your energy points but those points end up on the board in the different movement types that are still there. And other people, when they take their move, can choose the one you put a bunch of extra energy points on and they can take that for themselves and use it later. Because energy is a finite resource in this game. There's only so many of these energy chips. But it's also infinite because it keeps recycling throughout the game. Well, day. yes, it does. But I mean, effectively, you could, if you wanted to, hoard up a lot of that energy and not spend it and keep it <laughs> and away from the other players. You won't advance yourself very far in the game, but you, it can be a hindrance to others. But then you can do one big epic turn and blow it all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, it's, it's strategically, that's actually strong because even though other people are like schlepping their way around the board, you can wait until the, the everything aligns just right and then have an insane turn of movement and then pick up everything you need for one of the contracts. And don't forget, you're only allowed to pick up the cube you need if, with an exact landing on that particular element. It's not like you can mm -hmm. just, in the process of your move, gloss over one that has a cube on it and pick it up as you go. You must land on the element to collect the cube. I love that the meeples on this board are flasks. <laughs> yes, we have two different meeples. Yeah, we have the flasks and we have microscopes as well. Oh, yeah. Keep track of your resource. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did have a, a little bit of a problem with the starting positions in the game. I, I'm not sure. It seemed very random how they were determined. And it also put you in a position where it was tough to 
get what you needed. Tougher for some people than others. So I didn't feel like it was a very symmetrical start. It was based on the goal card that came up. So it was customized to your goal? No, it was flipped randomly from the top of the deck. And whatever player number you were was which starting point you were assigned to by what was flipped. So do you think it forces you to go for certain contracts because of where you start? It didn't seem that way. It just seemed kind of like it was just a way to randomize your starting spot. And that was supposed to help it to um, be balanced. But I felt like it in any game where you have too many random components at the same time, you can end up having one person have a much better starting position than other ones. It's not like you know when you're starting where where you're going to be focusing your, your concentration, your attention on the board. You know, you know, so it is kind of random that way, Mike, but I'm not sure that it really gives anyone either a clear advantage or disadvantage. Well, it's definitely asymmetrical, though. I might start next to two things that I need, and you might only start next to one, or you might start, you know, further away from things that you would try to get because of your random starting position and the random cards that were flipped. That's why you got to play best three out of five of these games. Right. Right? <laughs> well, be- yeah. I think that's better, though, than having everybody start on the same spot because then it's uh, whoever goes first. And they have four different categories of goals. So it seems like when you had each one up, the the possible goals that you can go for was spread across the whole board. I didn't see all the goals only in one section of the board. So I think wherever you started, there was going to be somewhere that you can go to get that. Am I wrong, guys, or were some of these elements not yet in existence or undiscovered when we were in high school? Oh, <laughs> Yeah. So back in the 80s, <laughs> I feel like the periodic table only went up to like 110, 112. Well, they, it's true, Celeste. They have been discovering new elements as as time goes on, obviously. A lot of these higher numbered, higher atomic mass elements that are, I don't know if they're called theoretical or not, because you need very specific conditions and they only wink into existence for like one a millionth of a second before they're gone. Right. They're that unstable. So they don't have practical uses. Right. right. Uh. So you can't really harness them per se, but they can be zap created. And even though they disappear practically at the same time. Well, that's how we're going to figure out time travel. We're going to get one to stay around long enough and use it to travel through time. And everyone hold on to it, and then we can go, and we can <laughs> yep. go wherever that, that element. Everybody grab it, quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works, right? Yeah. <laughs> this game ends with Evan shutting down, or who was it, actually? I can't remember who it was, but somebody shut my greed down once again. <laughs> I think I The did. turn before I was about to score huge. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Evan. He has a knack for that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's a- <laughs> just about to crush and have like beat everybody by like 12 points or some insane number. And Evan's like, oh, it's over. Click. Shuts the, <laughs> shuts the door behind him. And I'm left there. But there is last licks. I think you needed two more goes, Mike, to do that epic ending that you wanted to do. Yeah. And I think you only got one, one last lick. Yep. And- I got one of the two <laughs> that I needed. Because you shut it down just one turn too early. <laughs> yeah, and, and if you didn't think I didn't see that coming. How does the game end? How does the game get shut down? So the game ends when you either get to the end of the academic track and you get those points by successfully navigating to the correct part of the periodic table. The other way the game ends is by depleting a pile of goal cards. Yeah, the goals are kind of like the contracts we've been talking about. And when he's talking about getting to the end of the academic track every turn you have like with your microscope you're trying to get to a new zone on the on the periodic table so you do that by ending your turn in that zone of the one that you need to get to next 
And once you make a full loop all the way around, you can end the game that way. Mm-hmm. Evan, how did you end the game? By depleting one of the piles, one of the four piles of goal cards. And I, I grabbed up the last one because it was within my reach. And I said, I'm just going to, let's just end this before Mike goes haywire on all of us. <laughs> well, right. And and this, the reason I brought it up earlier, too, that Evan said something about hoarding the energy. Well, that's exactly what he yeah. did. He, hoard, he didn't look like he was getting ahead that fast, but I looked at his at his board and he had just a stack of energy and he just ran around. And I think he finished two of the different things in one turn and just shut it down. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Periodic, a game of the elements. Ed? You'll learn elemental chemistry just by playing a fun game. So the chemistry meets Ed, dig her up. Mike? It's a good strategy game that lets you learn through osmosis. Dig it up. <laughs> Evan? <laughs> Science games are right up my alley, and Periodic does not disappoint. Plenty of game here to be enjoyed by gamers, and plenty of cool chemistry elements, haha, <laughs> for the science enthusiast. <laughs> Dig it up. Osmosis, would that be biochemistry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I am delighted that the quality of games that can teach principles has reached this level. It's entertaining with solid game mechanics. Replayability is definitely here. Dig it up. Evan, where can you find this game? You can find Periodic, a game of the elements, at local game stores and online. It'll only set you back about $40. If you have thoughts about Periodic, a game of the elements, let us know. We are at which game first on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Cheers, published by Classic Games in 1992. Number of players 2 to 8, ages 12 and up, playtime whatever. <laughs> there, there are no clocks and bars. <laughs> playtime eternity if you don't know Cheers. <laughs> Okay, when we found a beer-stained copy of this game down at our local watering hole, what were our first thoughts? Ed? So, it's both a race game and a trivia game. Cheers. Evan? Another uncredited game. When the designer isn't credited, that's not a great sign. (laughs) Mike? I'm hoping that Norm doesn't have to move. I'm going to play him because I'm feeling a little lazy. (laughs) Let's do a Norm for Mike. Ready? Mike! How did it it feel, Mike? (laughs) Perfect. I felt welcomed. I felt cheerful. (laughs) Yay! Another trivia game with a giant board to move around. Man, 80s, what were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) But before we start this review, now we're going to do it for Evan. Ready? Evan! Tell us how it's played. In Cheers... You move around the bar trying to collect a complete set of five wooden nickels by correctly answering trivia questions about the show. Each turn, you spin a spinner and move that many spaces, and must answer a multiple-choice trivia question to move again. If you land on one of the wooden nickel spaces, you must answer a norm or cliff question to earn the token. First player to collect a set of five tokens wins the game. And everyone will know your name. (laughs) This is a non-drinking, about-drinking <laughs> game. Yeah. So. Well, I suppose you could make it a drinking game if you wanted to. You should, probably, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
wooden nickels. It said wooden nickels, so I expected to open the box and see nickels made of wood. Yeah. No. And? No. They were technically made of wood if you count thin, thin cardboard as wood. <laughs> How thin? <laughs> Super duper thin. Yeah, they were ch- chintzy components. Definitely oh, chintzy. That was not where the gold was in this game. Yeah. There was a spinner. And- it's not exactly the, the best spinner oh. I've seen, but oh, it, no. It spun. Spun. Spun right off the spinner, Matt. Like like six million dollar man spinner quality? No, worse. Oh worse. Oh, no, no, I think uh, six million dollar man was better, actually. <laughs> yeah, this was chintz test. <laughs> okay, so a trivia game based on the TV show Cheers. Now we thought, oh boy, right? That's the first thing you think, like, oh my gosh, who's going to remember any of this? But this game surprised me because it wasn't just boring facts about Cheers that you had to recall. This game, most of the trivia questions, of which there are a ton, Mm. just like normal 80s trivia games, most of these questions, though, were about the jokes in the show and about completing punchlines of the jokes in the show. Mm -hmm. So... It actually had a lot of funny and entertaining questions. So I found us laughing a lot more than I would have expected. Yeah, I mean, some of the laughs came from the components, but I think a lot of the laughs (laughs) came from when you understood a character enough, you could tell what they may have said in a certain situation. Or what they might not have said. (laughs) I mean, how accurate do you have to be? Do you have to get every word correct? Or is it more of like the key phrases, key terms? They give you a lot of them are like multiple choices. Which one of these did they say out of these three? Okay. The basic questions were multiple choice. And those you answered every time you move for a chance to move again. Yeah. So if you're amazing and you really understand like the show, if you've seen the show a million times, you can keep going and going. Regardless of whether you spin a two or if you spin a six movement. Oh, I see. Yeah, the spinner goes to five. I wish it went to ten because I'm not very good at answering (laughs) these kind of trivia questions. So getting one right every once in a while would have been really helpful for me to move a little further. But I was relying on high spins because I am terrible. Mike, was there any backwards movement in this game? Uh, yes. Oh, as a matter of fact, there was. <laughs> Entertaining. Yeah. So the, the backwards movement happened when somebody chose to land in the same space as you. And these spaces were not big enough for two pawns. So you kind of had to like wiggle them into the same spot. But then you had a, a trivia off, um, like a head to head thing where if you lost, they would take one of your coins away. So it's a two point oh, swing. Oh, yeah. Two point swing <laughs> in a five yeah. point game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brutal. 40% of your advancement. I, I was so proud of myself. I got two questions right in the same turn. It earned me my awesome wooden nickel. And then Joe cornered me in the bathroom and stole it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> he literally cornered me in the bathroom. <laughs> Joe definitely had an advantage here because he is an English major. He's done a lot of joke writing in in his day and he just knew how to complete jokes naturally <laughs> and and also in relation to the characters mm, so just right. by not knowing the answer but by divining it based on what they would say was easier for joe but thankfully for the rest of us all of them are multiple choice no not yeah. quite all of not them. quite all <laughs> well at all but the true false cliff and norms right oh yeah and, and a few other ones so when you land on a t- token spot you have two different types of questions you can get you can get either a cliff question where you get a cliff is and you have to say whether cliff actually said that or not or yeah. a norm question 
or you have to complete the non phrase. Which obviously one is harder than the other. One is like 50% chance. The other one is grasping at straws for, you know, filling in the blank. I liked that the, the questions were actually circular for Norman Cliff, like a coaster. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You pick up the coaster and read it. And the rest of the cards were square. There's one space on the board where the men have to go into the men's room to answer it and the women have to go into the women's room space to answer it. So the men are always stuck with the uh, the one where you have to fill in the blank and the women get the true false one. Well, you know, women are not as bright. This is the 80s. <laughs> so let me give you an example of a Cliff question. Did Cliff say this? Yes or no? And Joe would do a great impersonation of Cliff too. The human body sheds about three pounds of skin per year. <laughs> <laughs> goes into the atmosphere as dust. Oh. In fact, 75% of all dust is skin. <laughs> <laughs> so you see what it did? It sparked conversation. It caused a laugh. Mm-hmm. And it was fun to guess at. Not only are there jokes from the actual TV show, which is fantastic. I love that they're using jokes from the actual show. The writing in that show was brilliant. Why not use it again? Um, but they're actually writing some halfway decent jokes uh, that didn't exist. Yeah, that's true. Based on the characters that they already yeah. knew and loved, they could figure out, like the writers were good enough to figure out what they may have said or not. Okay, and now here's an example of the fill-in-the-blank norm question. How's life, Mr. Peterson? I'm waiting for the blank. Uh, beer. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for the end. That's what I'm going to say. I'm waiting for the end. Good, that's good. What? I'm waiting for the bell. <laughs> oh, isn't there a bell in a bar or something? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And Norm said, I'm waiting for the movie. How's oh. life, Mr. Ah, Peterson? I'm waiting for I the see. movie. Way more clever than what I just wrote. Yes, <laughs> me as well. More comic, more more sitcom, more sitcom. Got to turn yeah. on the sitcom. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, if you get in the right frame of mind, I think you can like tear through this game, even if you weren't a big Cheers fan. Absolutely. It's not just for Cheers fans. There are definitely Cheers-based questions. I'd love to talk about the thing that we never did, but we never did it. Yeah, there's like a Carla's challenge spot, but I think we all just avoided it like the plague. Because it was a truth or dare situation. If the other player carries off the dare, they get a free turn chip. I feel like it wasn't worth the risk because it's a little out of the way. Yes, it definitely puts you out of the way of a lot of the spaces you need to hit. Um, But I did love that the board itself was a map of cheers, the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, the problem with it, your starting locations were based on where the characters would be in the show, but it was very unbalanced. Like Woody, poor Woody got stuck behind the bar and he had to maneuver for quite a while before he got any more useful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Almost worth it for the theme, but I get you. I found it kind of weird, though. There was like 10, 10 or 15 steps between tables. <laughs> I feel like Woody would have hopped over the bar, you know? (laughs) (laughs) They should have a space that just lets only Woody hop over the bar. Actually, I feel like this game, if it put in a little bit more of the theme to the movement, because the movement was kind of arbitrary anyway, like spinning a spinner and moving a certain amount of spaces. And if they had like characters get special movement or something, that might make it a little more thematic. Well, why Norm getting off the stool anyway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Norm doesn't yeah. have to I'm move. I'm assuming to go to the bathroom, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Norm can answer all his questions from the bathroom or the bar back and forth. <laughs> he doesn't have to go to any other spaces. Something like that. And while you're moving, you can't like double back on a space you've touched, but you can use your movement to kind of like, wiggle around until you get to the exact spot you need to get to. So rolling, you know, spinning high is, is good in all cases for the most part. Yeah, unless you're trying to get in the bathroom, then you got to get the exact account. Ugh. 
Yeah, that's the worst. And and there's it's a really narrow hallway. So if you miss, you got to like back out and then try again. Yeah, it, trudging around that board started to get tedious after it a while. Did. It did. I thought the board was too big for the layout. Like you're, yeah. you spin a one and you want what? You took one step towards the table. You have nine more steps to go. Yeah, to no, and that's just they get the one thing. Then they got to truck another twenty bases to get to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> My girlfriend came and played in Serena, and she's really good at at Cheers trivia. So her turns were like, I'll answer five. I only she was spinning <laughs> ones and twos or whatever, but she was answering like five questions, so it didn't even matter. Me, I'd spin a six and not fail the question, and you know. I found this game at naturally the local thrift store, and your girlfriend was shocked that anybody else in the world had a copy of this game. Yeah, she she thought it was her copy. She's like, "How did my copy of Cheers get here?" Because she couldn't believe that somebody else owned it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get us wrong. There are definitely trivia pieces where you'll benefit if you know the show, such oh, as yeah. an example of a question might be, for which baseball team did Sam play? The Boston mm-hmm. Red Sox, the New York Yankees, or the Washington Senators? Now, you don't mm-hmm. have to be a genius, probably. Right. To figure that one out, since the word. Yeah, that's the so type of thing. There are some gimmies. Yeah, if you know even the show a little bit, you can reason out a lot of the answers. So, which it's nice because a lot of trivia games, there's whole categories where people just are they just defeated before they even get the question. In this game here, I feel like everybody can at least give it a shot. Yep, I think you could do a pretty good job at this game if you, even if you've never seen Cheers before, if you just watched two episodes yeah to get a general idea of how the characters themselves operate mm-hmm. and this this game stays right within that okay explorers it's time to dig up or bury cheers ed if you are a diehard cheers fan some of the questions may be worth exploring but the movement part of it is just not a good game bury it mike watch a couple episodes then take the cards out of the box toss the rest of the box away <laughs> and and try the questions. They actually are pretty well written. But other than that, I'm just going to have to say bury it. If you're a Cheers fan, this game is awesome. And if you're a fan of trivia and have any familiarity with Cheers, I also think it's a great game. I liked it. It was full of jokes. I'm digging it up. Mike, where can you find it? There's all kinds of versions of this game out there. There's there one that's are? even... Yeah, there's a bunch. Um, one of them's in like a nice tin, and it's like eighty dollars. Um, but the version we played was between ten and forty bucks, depending on whether you want to go to eBay or just buy it brand new. If you have thoughts about Cheers, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing from you about all the game exploring you're doing. And if you'd like more perks and content from this show, including our exclusive patron-only podcast weekly, bonus points. Bonus points. For just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. Please, if you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review or any kind of shout-out anywhere on social media. It really helps others find the show. Happy gaming, explorers. You want to go where everybody knows your Insta. It's a little-known fact that the suntan became popular when it's known as the Bronze Age. 